0: Hello and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Now I will say last Mother's Day, Lindy preached and she said, this is a message for everyone. And I'm like, come on, Lindy, it's Mother's Day. Hello, I'm not a mother. I'll honor the mothers. It's good. Let's go eat. And uh, she just bypassed all of that with her message. Uh, But Lindy, I wanted to tell you one of the points you made on Mother's Day was to bless what God is doing in your children. And uh, one of my daughters uh, had been in a situation that I wasn't fond of. And it uh, wasn't anything immoral or anything like that. It was just life decisions. And uh, I was, found myself getting more and more frustrated. And as soon as you said that, to bless what God is doing, even if you don't like what he's doing. And it just cut right to my heart. So the next morning, I called my daughter and I asked her to forgive me. Because I don't know about a lot of people, but I, I'd never said anything that would be hurtful to my kids, but my face sometimes would say things. Anybody relate to that? And uh, I asked her to forgive me. She started crying because she had, she had seen it. And for me to ask her to forgive me just made our relationship even deeper. So I just want to thank you for that. So let's give Lindy a hand. All right, so today uh, I have the privilege of talking. Uh, we are in the Mark series. Uh, we're going to be looking at Mark 12 today. And I had the privilege of trying to figure out how to take Mark 12, two or three days before the crucifixion, and turning it into a Father's Day message. And uh, so I talked to Jamie about it. And Jamie was kind of like, hey, you're on your own, dude. Go for it. You know, so, so, but what I found when I started praying, I said, God, how do I do this? How do I take Mark 12, preach scripture, but also tie it in with Father's Day? And uh, it was almost immediate... But I felt like the Lord said, Mark, you could preach on Father's Day on any chapter in the Gospels. Because there was a day where Philip said, Jesus, show us the Father and that'll be enough. And Jesus, I think Jesus said this. It's not written in Scripture, but I think he said this. Oy vey. I think he said, Philip, dude, come on. How long have we been together? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Everything Jesus said, everything Jesus did, directed us to the Father. So making this a Father's Day message was actually pretty simple, right? Now, uh, obviously, anytime we hear a Father's Day, I, got, I actually got to preach last Father's Day, talked a little bit about my dad. Uh, and I will tell you, he, to me, he was the best dad on the planet Earth. Uh, and what I've, when I think about my dad, first of all, I think of some of the words of wisdom he gave me as a child growing up. One of my favorites was, it'll feel better when it quits hurting. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. That'll work. Okay? And uh, I never really bought it. Guess what? I use that on my grandchildren now. They don't like it either. But that's okay. That's okay. It's fun. Uh, he had some other jewels, though. One was, uh, this food is so hot it burned the hair off my tongue. I'm like, okay. Well, I hadn't heard that one, Dad. Uh, another one, a lot of his had to do around food. Another one he had said, uh, I'm so hungry I could eat the rear end out of a rag doll. I don't have any idea where he got that, but uh, he, was, he was the king of one-liners. But one line my dad did give me, he passed away with cancer uh, in 2004. And uh, just before he passed, uh, the doctor told us that they were going to have to give him such strong pain medicine that he would not even know who we were anymore. And so I, I told the doctor, I said, well, I know my dad would want to say his goodbyes before we did that. So is it okay if I tell him? And the doctor, of course, was like, yeah, please, because then the doctor didn't have to. So. But I told my dad that, and my dad looked at me, and a tear came out of his eye. And he said, Mark, I don't know what I'd tell you. I hadn't already told you. He said, you know how I feel about you. And we both just started crying. And I think about that often. I mean, how blessed am I as a son to know when my dad passed, there were no regrets. There wasn't one thing I wanted to say to my dad I didn't say. There's not one thing he wanted to say to me that wasn't said. And uh, so that's the one-liner that I think most of all, because it was such a blessing. So what we're going to talk about now today is the heart of a father. And we're going to be going through kind of a 30,000- foot view flying over mark 12. Now it starts off now the first point I want to make about a heart of a father this might be a little different we don't think about this a lot but I think the number one characteristic of the heart of a father is a heart of courage. Now Jesus spoke about the parable of the tenants at the beginning of mark 12. It was two or three days before he was crucified. And he knew the very people that he was speaking to were going to be the ones crucifying him. And he told the parable of the tenants uh, that basically said there was a master who had a vineyard. He planted the vineyard. He turned it over to his tenants and he left for a long time. When he returned, he he sent a servant to the tenants to receive the fruit that he was owed. And uh, it says that tenants beat him and sent him back empty-handed. So the master sent another servant, and that, certain, that servant was beaten, just like the first. And then he sent another servant, and another servant and, servant, and scripture says that some were beaten, some were killed. And finally, the master said, I'll send my son, surely they'll respect him. And they killed him and threw him out of the vineyard, saying, if we kill the heir, then we can have it all. And Jesus told this parable two or three days before he was crucified in the presence of those who were going to be responsible for his crucifixion. That is a heart of courage. I think if it were me, I would probably find a way to placate to the Pharisees. Ah, yeah, yeah, well, I believe in God, and yeah, we're good. I didn't mean that. Okay, find a way to get out of what was coming. And I realized this as I was reading it, and I thought about Scripture, I thought about the Gospels, and I realized that Jesus never avoided conflict. Now, I'm not saying he was angry or rude or anything like that, but he didn't avoid a good good conflict. Because I believe, guys, that conflict is not negative. Conflict is just conflict. What makes conflict negative is how we deal with it, how we process it. If we deal with conflict in a correct manner, I've had situations in my life where a good conflict has actually deepened the relationship. And I heard a quote this past week that said it is impossible to be honest and not offend people. In our world, it seems like people are looking for reasons to be offended. And, and at the same time, in Jesus' day, exactly the same thing. In today's world, how many, you look on Facebook lately, I promise you, if you looked at 10 posts, nine of them would be offended about something. And uh, and that's what happens in a world that is crumbling around us like it is. But a father needs to have a heart of courage, guys. We need, we need to be courageous enough to speak the truth when it needs to be spoken. An example, and just, I know I would say this too. Speaking truth doesn't mean you have to blast everybody else. When I was younger, when I would preach, my wife could say, she told me one time, Robin said, could you just speak the truth? Instead of attacking the other side first, I would always say, don't do this. That's wrong. That's bad. That's evil. Do this instead. She said, why don't you just speak the truth and let it, let it lay there? And a great example of this, I'm actually writing a book right now on fathers. Uh, just finished the first draft and so excited about that. Now we're kind of trying to do some fine tuning. But one of the things I found in research about fatherhood is, is there is what is known today in America, as the success sequence. Now, the success sequence is this: it is a sequence of events in our lives that leads to prosperity and success. And here's what research—this is not biblical; it is biblical, but it's not from scripture. It's taken from data and research in our nation. And one of the things that said is this: that if if a young man or young woman follows this sequence they graduate high school, they get a full-time job, or they go to college. They graduate college, they get a job, then they get married, and after they get married, guess what? They have children. Pretty, yeah, we see it, that's what God taught us to do, right? Right? Now the world is saying this sequence works because the data and research says this, a person who follows that particular sequence of events, graduate, go to college, get a job, get married, and then have children, the poverty rate among those people, 3%. 3% of those who follow that sequence end up in poverty. So if you want to escape poverty, do what God says. Because God knows, that, knows best, right? All right, now, let's take a look at the second point. The second point, a heart of a father is also a heart of wisdom. And the second narrative there in, in uh, Mark 12 talks about the scripture. It's one of my favorites. He, it's uh, talking about, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, one thing I never saw before until this week as I was reading through this, It says the Pharisees and Herodians came to Jesus with this question. Should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now the Herodians obviously were followers of Herod and they were the enemies of the Pharisees. Now how many of you have heard heard the saying, the enemy of my enemy is my friend? Right, And this is what's taking place right now. The Pharisees had a conspiracy with the Herodians to trap Jesus in what he had to say. So if he says we should pay taxes to Caesar, then the Pharisees would accuse him. If he said don't, then the Herodians would accuse him. So either way, he was going to be in trouble. And Jesus gave an answer full of wisdom. And he said this. He said, pay to Caesar that which is Caesar's. And give to God what is God's. You see, he spoke with wisdom. And I believe in today's world, we need fathers full of wisdom more than any time in our history. To navigate the waters that we're having to navigate. Now, what did Jesus also say there? He said, show me a denarius. And so they handed him a denarius. Now, on this denarius, this, it had inscriptions on both sides of the coin. On one side of the coin, I wrote it down here. It says this, Augustus Tiberius, son of the divine Augustus. On the other side of the denarius, it said, son of God, high priest. Now, last week, Susan spoke about kingdoms and conflict, and we're seeing it in this very passage. Now, contrary to popular belief in in many circles when we think about the early church and and being persecuted by the romans many times we think they were persecuted because they refused to deny christ and that is not why they were persecuted you see the romans at the time had over 200 gods that they served in their culture and so they were never at, christians were never asked to deny christ all they were asked to do is to declare caesar is lord also so if christians said jesus is lord but so is caesar they were good so the reason they were persecuted was because they refused to declare caesar is lord that only jesus was lord one of the church fathers named polycarp at the end of the 1st century he was brought into the roman colosseum and caesar looked at polycarp and he said this is your last chance You can declare Caesar as Lord, or I'll have you burned at the stake. No, he said, excuse me, not burned at the stake, fed to the lions. And Polycarp looked at Caesar and said, bring on your lions. And Caesar said, if you mock my lions, I'll have you burned at the stake. And Polycarp said, how is it that you threaten me with a fire that burns for an hour and ignore the fire of hell that burns for eternity? He spoke with wisdom and with courage. It goes on to say that he was burned at the stake. And as he was being burned at the stake, he was thanking God that he was worthy to suffer for Christ's sake. The man had courage and he had wisdom. Now, one aspect of courage in today's world, I would say this, is having the ability to have hard conversations. I mentioned earlier that Jesus never avoided conflict. And I believe To have the heart of a father, and this would go to being fathering your children. This could be discipling those who you're discipling. The principle's the same, and that is to have courage to have those hard conversations. Now, are they easy? No. That's why they call them hard conversations. See, if they were easy, they'd call them easy conversations, but it's hard to have a hard conversation because it's uncomfortable. I talked to a guy one time and said, hey, I love conflict. Bring it on. And I said, you're probably not very good at it. I'm sorry. Anyone that enjoys conflict, I, I would question, right? So all of us struggle with it, but conflict, again, is, this, is one, of the, one of the means that can be used to deepen and grow our relationships, especially with our children. Now, I don't know if you're taking notes, because most of your hands are full with umbrellas, but here's a write-down if you're taking notes today, and that is this, five magic words to start a hard conversation. Everybody ready? Can you help me understand? See, that's not an accusation. That is simply saying, I'm looking for clarity. Maybe you could expound on that a little bit and help me here. Right? Anytime you start a hard conversation with the word you, it's going to be accusatory. Y'all know what we're talking about? You always do that. I used to tell my wife, I always do that. Okay, 97%. Okay, we're good there. Okay, but not always, right? Anytime we start a a sentence with the word you, it usually is going to end in a negative connotation. Uh, But again, don't avoid the conflict because it matters. It matters. Now, I would say this. Having wisdom too as a father. It means speaking truth to your children. And sometimes coming at it from a different perspective instead of telling them what to do, simply directing, or guiding your child. I played football, basketball, and baseball for 13 years. And uh, my ninth grade year, I was a quarterback. And my ninth grade year, we finished up spring training. The starting quarterback, there goes my notes. Well, that's fine. I've got it all memorized, thankfully. Okay, so, so here's what happens. In the process of that, you, get, you ran them down for me. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ben. All right, so uh, ninth grade year, we finished spring training, I told my dad, the starting quarterbacks a year ahead of me, I'm not gonna go through this torture for three years so I can play one year my senior year. And my dad in his wisdom said this, Mark, everybody wants to quit football after spring training, hang on. He said, August rolls around, you no longer wanna play football, you can quit then. And I said, okay, that sounds fair, that's a deal. Well, my heart changed about a week after that and uh, I worked harder than I'd ever worked getting ready for a football season ended up starting the next three years. and the next three years, we went to the state championship. My senior year, we won the state championship. And guys, now you might think, okay, high school glory days, we get it, you're old, okay? I understand that. But what I want to tell you is this, going through those three years and all the torture we had to go through to win a state title, the lessons I learned those three years in high school I live out today, And none of those lessons would have been learned if my dad would have let me quit. And guess what? If he told me, no way, you're not quitting, I would have quit anyway. But he didn't tell me I had to. He said, let's just give it time, and then let's make a decision later. And he trusted God to speak to me. Guys, this is a message I think every parent needs to hear. We were with some friends this week in California and two of their they love Jesus they're following Jesus and, and two of their three children are questioning their faith right now and uh they were really discouraged we got to encourage them and and pray for them and uh but I got to tell you though that we raise up a child and we know the scripture right raise up a child in the way they should go and when they grow old they will not depart from it now when I hear that scripture here's one of the things that stands out to me when you raise up a child in the way they should go not the way you want them to sometimes though because those can be two different things but raise up a child in the way they should go and when they grow old they will not depart from it Uh, my daughter Rayma was on the mission field in india she went to antioch in waco she was on a trip or two with ben and uh so she calls me from india and says dad they're asking me to stay over for three or four days they said they found an unreached people group in the mountains that have never heard the gospel, and they want me to go with them. And of course, my daddy heart was like, Oh, honey, I don't know about that. And you know what my daughter said? Dad, you know if you were here, you'd do it in a heartbeat. And I'm like, Okay, fine, you can go, right? So, so again, raise them up in the way they should go. And when they grow old, they won't depart. Now, finally, the heart, the third, th- the third point is the heart of love. And I want to read these scriptures. Starts with verse 28. It says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You were right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Now, one of the things I notice about Jesus when he's asked questions in the Gospels, almost 100% of the time, he answers a question with another question. Except this moment. And I think what spoke to me here, he said, what's the greatest commandment? Oh, that's easy, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. I think Jesus was saying, well, that's a no-brainer, right? The most important aspect of the heart of a father Is a heart of love. Loving them in the good times. And loving our children in the tough times. But a heart of love. And I think one of the reasons why it's so vitally important. That we do this guys. Is for this reason. Most of us view God. The same way we view our earthly father. If we had a hard father. That just was constantly. On us whatever we did it wasn't good enough guess what we think whatever we do for God's not good enough if we had an absentee father many times we pray and all we hear is crickets well I thought so because God's not there either I had no trouble, trouble understanding as a child that God loved me you know why because my dad loved me so well somebody would say well God loves you I said of course Why wouldn't he? I mean, I mean, that's how my dad made me feel. I'm like, I had no self-image. I had some problems later, probably thinking more of myself than I should. But I never had a problem believing that God loved me because my dad demonstrated that love every day. And uh, that's what God's calling us as fathers, is to love our children the way Jesus loved us. And then finally, the last point I want to make is this. The fourth point is a heart of father is a heart of a teacher. Now, the last few verses in this chapter talk about uh, they were receiving the offering. And there was an offering box in the temple. Now, again, this is during the Passover. So there's thousands of visitors that came to Jerusalem. And the way they did offerings at the time, the rich people especially would have the place of honor. And they would come up and put their offerings in the offering basket. And there was actually an announcer that would announce how much each person was giving. How about that? We got a box right here. How would you love it if Micah was over here? Hey, yeah, Ben put in $2,000. Let's give it up for Ben. Woo! Yeah, then Mark comes up. Mark gave a buck. Right? I mean, who wants the, how much they give to be announced? And that's what they were doing. And all of these rich people who were giving these offerings we're soaking in all the attention and it says what I love about this guys is this Jesus said it says in scripture that Jesus called his disciples to him as he sat across from the offering and he sat across and I think he did something like this hey guys come here a second I want to show you something and they're like yeah what is it he goes hey you see that widow that just put in those two copper coins She gave more than anyone in the building. Because she gave out of everything she had. These other rich people gave out of their wealth. She gave everything she owned. She gave more than all of them. See, and a heart of a father is a heart of a teacher. And I think the way Jesus discipled his disciples was he taught them at the moment. I think in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus said, look, consider the lilies of the field. I'm sure there were lilies over there. I think Jesus said, hey, check out those lilies over there. What do you think they did to be so beautiful? See, the father just did it. And he took this moment. How many times as fathers do we see those teachable moments in the lives of our children? Let's don't, don't, don't look past those. Someone said a person, it's not what a person looks at. It's what they see. And if we're looking for opportunities, guys, to teach our children or teaching those who were are discipling, if you look for opportunities to teach them, you're going to be surprised at how many opportunities you see. Uh, I was praying for my mom one time for healing. She had cataracts. This was years ago. And one of our church plants I was praying for, and uh, I prayed for a minute. I said, mom, can you see any better? What's going on? She goes, it was almost like, you know, the blind man that said, I see men like trees walking. She goes, it's clearer. It's not completely clear, but it's better. And about that time, a friend of mine, Mona, walked by. She'd never prayed for the sick ever. And I saw her and I said, Mona, come here a second. And she goes, what? And I said, hey, I'm praying for my mom. She has cataracts. We're praying for her healing. I just prayed for her. And she said she got better, but it's still a little blurry, but it's better. So I want you to pray for her. She goes, I can't pray for her. I said, sure you can. She goes, no, I don't do that. And I said, yeah, you can just put your hand on her eyes, and she was like, "Okay." And I said, "Now just speak to the cataracts, tell them to go in the name of Jesus." And she goes, "Cataracts go in the name of Jesus," and it was about like that. And I said, "Mom, how is it now?" And she goes, "I can see." You know what Mona did? Ah! She was so pumped. The rest of our church plant, she's searching people. Are you sick? No, I'm fine. Are you sure? Because I want to pray for you. I mean, she was praying for everyone after that. So look for those teachable moments, guys. They matter. Now, we're going to wrap up because I know it's like a thousand degrees out here. Here's the conclusion, guys. Is fathering easy? Answer would be absolutely not. It's hard. It's hard to hold your daughter's hair back when she's four years old and throwing up and doesn't know what's happening. It's hard when you hold down your daughter on a a doctor's table when she's a year and a half old and you're holding her down so the doctor can put stitches in her lip and she's looking at you like, Daddy, how are you letting this man do this to me? It's hard when you see your children make choices that you wouldn't make. It's hard when you're waiting for the scripture we mentioned earlier, raise up a child in the way they should go and when they grow old they will not depart from it. And you're praying that it'll come sooner than later. It's not easy to do that. It's not easy to comfort your daughter when she's having a grand mal seizure at college and there's nothing you can do about it. It's not easy giving your daughters away on their wedding day to a hairy legged snotty nosed boy but if that's the price for grandchildren, so be it, <laughs> right? Is it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is it worth it when you're, you walk in the door and hear your girls yell, daddy, and they come up and give your, to both your thighs the best squeeze they've had all day? It's worth it when you're taking a nap with your baby laying on your chest. Talk about contentment. That's it. it. It's worth it when we see children excel and make their dreams a reality. It's worth it when we see our children face their fears and overcome them. It's worth it when your children jump to you in the swimming pool trusting daddy won't let them drown. It's worth it when you turn 50 and your daughter at your 50th birthday party comes out with a guitar and performs a song that she wrote you entitled I'm a princess because that's how you made her feel her whole life. It's worth it when you pick up your three-year-old granddaughter and she puts both hands on your cheeks and says, Papa, you're my favorite. Is fathering worth it? Absolutely. Is it hard? Absolutely. But it's worth every minute of it. And I would say the same thing both for fathers but also for those whom we're discipling. Because really that's what we're talking about, mothering, being spiritual mothers and fathers as we disciple. And I want to say this last before we pray. To disciple someone, you don't have to be the Apostle Paul. All you really have to do to disciple someone else is be like two pages ahead of them. It's, it's not, nothing wrong with discipling someone and giving them this answer. I have no clue. But we'll find someone who does, right? We'll make it happen, right? So as a heart of a father, I just want to encourage you guys today to, to cling to that heart of a father. In our marriage relationship, I'm a GM two weeks ago, said marriage is about discipleship. So is fatherhood. So is motherhood. So was discipling. So let's be about it. So if we could stand in worship team, ministry team, if you guys could come forward. We're going to have a time of ministry and a couple of things I want to mention. I want you to be thinking about what aspect of fatherhood has God spoken to you about this morning? Maybe you need to grow in, in a heart of wisdom. Some of you may say, maybe I need to quit telling my children what to do all the time and start asking them really good questions that will help them find, find their own way. Some of it may be a heart of love. Now I'm not saying there's fathers here that don't love your children, but I know there are certain fathers that struggle a little bit demonstrating that love. And maybe, that, maybe you need prayer for that. But I'd say also, guys, some of you may have needs right now because I know this is always a tender day on Father's Day because some of you didn't have a father like I had. There may be some wounds from the past. There may be a sense of I just want to get Father's Day sermon over with so I can not think about it anymore. And God wants to bring healing to your heart today. Or anything else, anything else you need prayer for, guys, the ministry team is here. And I want to ask you to come and receive prayer, receive healing where healing is needed and growth where growth is needed. Jesus, we just ask you to come now and Holy Spirit, just do what you do best. Speak to our hearts. Lead us, Lord, where you want us to go. Give us the courage and the love to be fathers and mothers and disciples that that you're calling us to be in Jesus' name.